Hello, product innovators. Today we learn from past hardware lead at Apple, Ford, and Adidas on how to innovate beyond your first hardware product launch. You're listening to the Product Startup Podcast, the show that helps bring your product idea to life by chatting with successful inventors, product developers, manufacturers, and hardware industry professionals. Our goal here is to get to the bottom of what makes a product successful, from initial idea to getting your product on store shelves. We're taking you step-by-step to build a functional product and scale your product business. Hosted by Kevin Mako, one of North America's leading experts experts on hardware development for small product businesses. Now, onto the show. Welcome back, everyone. Today, I'm very excited to introduce Hussein Al-Masawi to the show. Hussein has worked as a senior hardware director or designer at Ford, Adidas, and Apple for many of their hardware brands. He is also the author of the Innovator's Handbook and is founder of the creative agency Masawi Studios. Today, Hussein is going to share some valuable knowledge on how inventors, startups, and small manufacturers can develop new hardware products beyond their first innovation, how to scale your brand beyond being a one-hit wonder, and how to best figure out what your next hardware innovation should be. Now, on to the episode. Hussein, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, we're excited to talk to you today because you've got a ton of experience both in major Fortune 500 hardware companies and expanding their brand lines, but also working with hardware startups as well. And today's topic is about how do you expand beyond your first hardware product? So you've come up with that great invention and you're either planning what you're going to do after that first invention, or maybe you've already launched and are now looking how to expand the brand, growing beyond just a one skew physical product to a whole brand brand line success story to really create an empire around starting with your first invention, but scaling past there. So we're talking today about scaling and expanding the line with you based on your experience in that. And first and foremost, I want to congratulate you. You just released your book on innovation just a month ago. Thank you. That's right. Yep. Uh, The Innovator's Handbook came out a month ago. And it's basically my perspective and experiences that I got working with these big brands and how they approached innovation. So in very simple steps, something that's not too overwhelming on the reader. That's amazing. And you've worked for a lot of major companies. You've worked for a lot of these big Fortune 500 yeah, powerhouses. So I, had the, I was fortunate enough to work with Apple, to work with Nike, Adidas, uh, through my own studio agency, work with brands like uh, Pepsi, Versace, Reebok. So it's been a good experience to tap into different industries and also always be surrounded by these innovative companies and innovative minds. That's amazing. So quite a quite a track record. And I know you've spent uh, quite a few years working with these major brands and then obviously working with them on a client relationship as well, and also working with some hardware startups and some emerging brands as well, which makes you the perfect guest to talk about <laughs> scaling you. beyond your first invention. So let's just break it down to look <laughs> at the options to begin with. So if we look at, you've got your first invention idea out there, you've started, essentially you've started your brand. What are the options to scale beyond your first product as a new hardware brand? So yeah, I've worked a lot with the startups and brands that aren't multi-million, multi-billion dollar companies. And the difference is that when you have an idea, like I've seen this a lot, some brands and companies have some amazing ideas, amazing innovation, and they bring it to market. And then they kind of get stuck off. okay, what's next now? We had this cool idea. Sometimes I've seen where brands take this idea for year after year after the year, and they try to promote it in different ways until the idea dies. The successful ones are the ones that think about what's next and what's the evolution of that specific product. How can we do a 2.0, a 3.0, a 4.0? I mean, if you look at any brand, look at Apple, look at Nike, they did the watch. The Apple Watch 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, iPhone, 
all the brands, Air Jordan, whatever you think of, there's always a progression. There's always an evolution and there's always room to improve and tap into new technologies that exist and see how you can bring those into your product. There's new stories, culture always evolves. So how can we take the product to the next level? And that's where some companies fall short and some companies take advantage. And the thing that really brings the product to market, like in a specific time, it's always deadlines. The things that stops it from evolving is always a deadline. So there's always room for progression. There's always room to hear your customer's feedback and then take the product again to the next level. So in terms of what you can do, one thing yeah, is look at the product, see what flaws it has, how you can improve it, customer feedback and all that. Another thing is how can you grow the brand? Rather than having one product, maybe you can build some accessories around it. Let's say you design a bike. Maybe you can start to create a helmet line. Maybe you can start to create a cushioning for the seats. Maybe you can start to create water bottles and all of that stuff. And then you start to expand as a brand. You see what works, what doesn't work. And most brands, you realize that maybe it's just 5% or 10% of their entire collection that makes money for the company rather than everything. So maybe it's the water bottle that maybe you designed the bike, but it's the water bottle that's actually making you the money. And as an innovator and as a designer, it's always good to be flexible as well. Sometimes you want to go from point A to B, but you land on point C and that's fine. That's where the journey takes you. And just being fluid and flexible along the journey, that's really important. I like that you mentioned these different options. Like, first of all, and I think this is really an overlooked option, and it's the first thing that you addressed is improving your product. Mm -hmm. That is its own essentially new product or expansion of your existing line. And I think that's overlooked a lot, especially by hardware startups. When they think about evolution, they think about, okay, I've got this initial idea, it's the bike. And then they've got this other idea, which is something completely unrelated. And they think about expanding with all these different invention ideas from their first. But the reality is, stay close to home. That's Absolutely. where your feedback's coming from. That's where your brand origination comes from. It's that first innovation. There's a ton of untapped market left just by listening to your customers. And I love that you mentioned feedback. We talk a lot about that on the show, but listening to your customers and then figuring out how to expand your brand line from there. <laughs> Something that I find, especially on the product development side of things, it's incredibly important, especially when you're thinking about that planning from your first product to your second improved version or whatever that might be, is keeping your original product simple as well so that you can get that product to market listen to the customer feedback, and then figure out exactly how you're going to start expanding the features to continue capturing more and more market share in a vertical that's near or in your existing product line space. For that sure, I think sure. is the big winning ticket where a lot of hardware startups need to think about that very carefully and realize your biggest next product isn't necessarily just your next great invention idea. It's all these derivatives from your first product idea. That's the low-hanging fruit. And you also don't want your marketing to go to waste and all the efforts that you did on the first product. I mean, you should use that to your advantage and build on it. And for example, when I was in the footwear industry, but let's say football, soccer, molds to create those plates, I mean, in shoes in general, when you, you know the sole, the bottom part of the shoe, the molds for that are super expensive because you have two pairs, left and right foot, and then each costs a lot. It's like over $10,000 each. So it's a really big investment, especially for a new brand. Usually you need a few million just to start a footwear brand. Let's say in football, they had this premium shoe, which was like $300. And then they had takedowns of that same shoe, different materials, different colors. And you had a range from $300 all the way down to $170, which you could get in a Walmart. 
So taking advantage of that, I already paid for the molds. I've already paid for my marketing. I've paid for my PR. I have a customer base. So how can I get the product into as many hands as possible? So rather than just selling the $300 shoe, now I'm selling all these different variations, different colors, different materials, different technologies, and just going into the same story and I'm producing different outputs from that same one story. You mentioned something really key here that a lot of people overlook. It's cost down versions of your actual product. So when you release your first product, generally, especially in hardware, we recommend it as well as you try and start with a, let's call it a relatively premium quality product, mm -hmm. because this is your first thing. It's representing your brand. You want to get quality of output to get the good reviews and all that sort of stuff out there. But over time, you'll be able to capture two things. First of all, economies of scale. As you grow bigger with your first product, you will have more purchasing power, which allows for getting essentially your product at a cheaper price. But second, you'll have a lot more time to do your R&D on developing different versions of your product that we're talking about. But when people think about different versions, they automatically think of their pro version. Okay, how I'm going to take what I have now and add all these bells and whistles. But there's another direction too, arguably a much bigger market share as well. And that's the Walmart version. Absolutely. Where you take that ultra premium or let's call it relatively premium product that you made and you make a simpler, lower cost, but still reasonable quality, reasonably useful product and enter a mass market approach with that using just the brand it more accessible. Premium. Absolutely. Absolutely. A kid that sees Neymar playing on the football pitch, these superstars, even in any sport, he doesn't need that $300, $400 shoe. A $70 shoe that looks the same, that's going to keep him going and that's going to make him think that he's as special as that player. So to your point, just make it much more accessible. You've seen a lot of different companies, both big and small, go through these processes of improving their brand or expanding their brand, let's call it a better word for it, figuring out how to capture the market that they have and then growing from there. What are some of the tips for innovating on your next version? Because it's easy enough to say, well, you can make a more premium version or you can make a lower cost mass market version or you can make accessories, but that's a lot of different options, especially for a scaling hardware startup. How do you actually figure out what is the specific right next steps? Because of course you can't be everything to everyone and you can't do everything at the same time. Sure, you have sure, to start sure. somewhere. So I worked with the startup brand, footwear brand. Their strategy was they would always just do different colorways and season after season after season, they would just keep changing the colorways, bringing some exclusive colorways of different shoes. And that was their strategy, which I think is a super easy strategy that doesn't cost a lot of money. But in terms of improving the product when it comes to not just the aesthetics, but also the function uh, and how do you think of what's next? The way we did it in the industry, like even with Adidas and different brands, looking at different surrounding industries outside of footwear. So for example, if I'm looking at traction, of the shoe. How can I improve the traction? I would start to look into continental tires. I would start to look into different brands that created bicycle tires, car tires, and so on, and see what technologies they have and how I can bring that in. When I'm starting to look at maybe the shoe is about fit, good fit, start to look at the seatbelt companies. How do they create a good fit? I start to look at baby strollers. How do they create a good fit for the baby? So very unrelated things, and then finding these intersections and bringing them into whatever I am creating. So I think like the idea of finding those intersections and bringing things that have nothing to do with what you're working on and bringing those technologies and ideas and being inspired by them, that's the most place where innovation really happens and you can come up with really cool ideas. So that's one thing. Another thing is always asking what if questions and going blue sky, forgetting about how much production is going to cost. What's realistic in 2022? Manufacturing wise, is it really possible to create this idea or not? So what if just crazy ideas, 
You know, let's say we're creating a car. What does a car look like in year 3000? You'd go super crazy. And then when you're done with your brainstorming session, you come back to reality, 2022. All right, this idea was cool. Can we make this happen? If we can't make it happen, maybe we, we start to ask some questions that can improve the manufacturing process and so on. So just thinking blue sky, what if questions, being super curious, that really evolves and pushes the product. I've seen it multiple times in tech. I've seen it in footwear. I've seen it in home goods and so on. This is interesting. You're taking two essentially different approaches. One is the crazy blue sky ideas approach. Think of like, what are the most elaborate things you could do if there were no limitations on time, money, technology, et cetera. But you're also taking a very realistic approach, which is what have similar industries done to expand that have been successful in their sphere? Mm -hmm, and you essentially absolutely. are combining these two pieces of data, the crazy blue sky ideas in conjunction with the very realistic ideas. And I imagine somewhere in the middle then evolves a really good, realistic, but innovative concept absolutely, to expand the line. Absolutely. And the idea of intersections, I mean, there's a book called The Medici Effect by Franz Johansson, highly recommend it. And he talks a lot about this idea of diversity and intersections. Biomimicry, I don't know if you've heard of the term, but bringing ideas from nature into product design. That's the exact same concept. So I'll just tell you a quick story. For example, in Zimbabwe, Harare, there was an architect who wanted to design a building. So he looked at termite mounds and the structure of termite mounds where they have to maintain the temperature at a certain temperature at all times. There's like these different channels inside that release hot air and so on. So he observed that, he analyzed it, and he worked with a biologist and he mimicked the same exact way that the termite mounds were built and he constructed it into, into his architecture and he saved them like more, over four million dollars more than 70 percent energy it was a way of just looking at nature bringing something from a different field and bringing it into architecture and there's lots of examples when it comes to that it's powerful and it's something that anybody can do any hardware founder or product developer can just hop onto Google and start looking at other industries and just start brainstorming. It's kind of a fun exercise to do as well. Sure, sure, sure. I'm a big fan of keeping notes. So as you're going through this process, make sure even something simple, like have it recorded on a Google doc, like what are you deriving from this, let's call it exploration, which should be a really fun and creative time of the day, a time that you set aside, you turn off your phone, you turn off your notifications and you really get creative. It's as simple as Googling these sorts of success stories or successful integrations of products or whatever else in other fields and saying, how could I apply that to my field? Whether it's biology, by looking at actual animals or insects and seeing how their physics that they work with might evolve your product, or simply just looking at other product lines and product brands that are in related fields. I think the Absolutely. closer the field, probably the more relevant the insight that comes from it as well. And this is something you can simply do sitting in front of your computer. For sure. For sure. And you know, always, uh, that's another thing, like be a curious sponge, always find inspiration in everything to your point, whether you're reading a book, whether you're listening to a TED talk, whether you're looking at uh, success stories, whether you're looking at other products, Whatever you do, there's always room to find inspiration and bring that in. And subconsciously, it's always going to feed your next project. You mentioned as well feedback early on. And I think that's, you know, if you're to put a third pillar in there as well, it's something that's super critical. And really, again, I use the word low hanging fruit because it's people who are buying your existing product giving you insight as to what they would like to see either on your next product or as an accessory to that product or as an improvement to the product. So that is incredible knowledge that's being given directly to you from the most relevant audience, which is people who've already 100%. purchased your product. So if you combine that with this blue sky thinking, and the, the crazy what if in combination with looking at accessory industries or other industries or related industries and trying to see how it can all fit together. You've got a very powerful framework, which will start 
over time evolving and painting the picture to that next hot item that you can start pursuing. 100%. And I mean, to your point, again, when I was at Adidas, a big part of like when we were designing basketball shoes, we were always trying to identify what was hot and you know what was relevant and trending in the culture. So we always met with high school kids. We went to their games. We brought them into the office, asking a lot of questions. We built a relationship with those kids that are eventually our customers and start to learn from them how they play, how they dress, how they act. So yeah, 100%, tapping into your consumer base and seeing what they want, what they like, and trying to also bring them into the process. Let's talk a bit about your book, The Innovator's Handbook. What are some of the key lessons out of there that can apply to emerging or scaling hardware startups? So we mentioned some of them. One is evolving a product. I mean, the main thing is that you don't have to reinvent the wheel every time. And as a young designer, as an aspiring designer, I always thought that if I had to innovate and come up with cool ideas, I had to reinvent the wheel every time. But that's not true. Everything is a remix. You can take a product and you can improve it. You can take two products and come up with a better idea out of it. You don't really have to build something from scratch every time. So that's one thing. Being a curious sponge, which we talked about always asking what of questions, being laser focused. And this is this is huge. When I was in the footwear industry, for example, let's say I wanted to design a shoe that's lightweight, it's durable, and it's it has good fit. So the way I used to approach footwear design before designing any product, actually, I would just try to think about all these different ingredients and start to come up with ideas, which became really overwhelming. The way of being laser focused is coming up with the most lightweight shoe, forget about everything else. Come up with the most durable shoe, with the shoe with the best fit. And then when I have these three buckets with lots of amazing ideas in each, then I can start to mix these different ingredients and come up with a shoe that has all of those three elements. So I thought this was a really good way of designing for any product. Another one is first principles method which is something that they use a lot in Tesla, SpaceX, Elon Musk used a lot. And we also did this a lot in the footwear industry. First principles method basically is I would take a shoe, when we're talking about evolving a product, especially, I would take a shoe, deconstruct it down to its basic form, the laces, the sole, the cushioning, the materials, everything, just lay it down on the table. And then go to each part and ask, okay, let's say I want to do a lightweight shoe. Is this really serving my purpose? Is this the best way to do it? Do I need these laces? Are there better laces? And you start to ask lots of questions and you question every part. And then once you change some parts, you remove some parts, you bring in some new parts, you put the shoe back together, and then you have a much better shoe. So that's also another way of doing a 2.0, 3.0, 4.0 version. So I thought that was a really cool way of designing shoes. And I really enjoyed using that process in the industry. So these are some of the key things that I talk about in the book. There's some other things as well, but I think these are things that stand out the most. I like that you mentioned that it's not a massive overhaul of the product. I think that takes a lot of the stress off an evolving product. I know a lot of folks when they release their first invention idea, they may not actually have clear direction or even an idea as to how they would expand it. And the way that you've broken it down gives a lot of different tools for somebody to use, anybody to use really, that can help start guiding some of those different elements. Maybe it's the feedback loop from a customer that'll spark that next idea. Maybe it's something from another industry. Maybe it's something from another organism. Maybe it's some of these other tools that you reference in the book. The point is that at some point, if you go through these exercises, all the while thinking about it as a small incremental improvement or change or accessory It takes the stress off of thinking you have to come up with another hit wonder to be just as good as your first hit wonder. It's not how brands grow. Very few brands have one major hit after another, after another. It's an incremental long-term marathon game, not a bunch of home runs in a row. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And maybe just two more things. Uh, one is don't jam your products with a million different innovations. Nike Tailwind is a really good example. That's when the Nike Air came to life. And Phil Knight in his book, he mentions uh, Shoe Dog. He mentions that they put like seven or eight, I don't know the exact number now, but they put a bunch of different innovations in the first shoe that had the Nike Air cushioning in it. Anyway, it's a pocket of air inside the shoe and it just burst. It didn't work. So their mistake was that they put a lot of different innovations into one shoe. Uh, and that's the thing, like make sure that your products have one innovation, one hero, and that becomes the story of that product. If I have three innovations, let me make three different products out of it. Another thing also in the industry, a lot of products that come out, 50%, 60%, maybe even 70%, it's marketing. It's not even the design and the innovation. Sometimes there are products that don't even have a good idea behind them, but they have strong marketing and they make it. So it's a really good balance of good design, good ideas, good marketing, and all those work together to give you a success story. I love how you mentioned simplicity. I talk about it a lot on the podcast, especially on the product development side, even going back to your original first innovation. One of the biggest failures of a hardware startup is feature creep. Mm -hmm. They come up with too many ideas that are not necessary to the core innovation that was discovered originally. And that's something that a good hardware startup, a good product designer will really focus on simplicity. And that's coming from me who owns a design firm. The more complicated a product, the more money a design firm makes. And sure. I'm the first person advertising that you should keep your product as humanly simple as possible for a number of reasons. You mentioned marketing and, and sales, but from the technology side as well, you mentioned the bursting air cushion That's in the right. Nike sole. So you have to understand in the development side is if you have one core feature and you put all your resources towards that, you can build a really good quality version of that. As soon as you add a second and a third, it doesn't make it twice or three times as complicated. It's an exponential curve. Three features probably will be 10 times as complicated to design and engineer than one feature that's focused on exclusively. So it means faster to market, less money in development, better quality in terms of the actual focus of that product, easier to manufacture, less defects, clear messaging for your marketing, less returns when it actually comes to the product being sold, less confusion of people buying things based sure. on multiple features, but maybe not getting the feature that they really wanted in isolation. So all of these things packed together means start simple, build a simple but high quality version of your hardware product because that quality is critical. And then I love how you're taking it to the next level to say, even as you expand your product line, let's say you raise a $2 million seed round to now make your next three versions of the product. Don't just blow it on all these crazy features. Think about small incremental, high-quality, laser-focused feature improvements or changes to scale the brand as opposed to coming with the most elaborate version of the shoe just because you got funding sure, to try sure. to do that. 100%, 100%. And keep those ideas in your back pocket. I mean, I've seen lots yes. of amazing ideas. I worked with the innovation team when I was at Adidas, Advanced Concepts, and lots of amazing ideas never made it to market, but eventually they will start to find their way in different products and they will make it, but don't jam them all into one product. Keep it well, in development, there's a way to do that too. We do that with a lot of clients where let's say they do have their 10 different future ideas that they want to have in it. You can do, let's say, rough conceptual designs of that work while building your, let's say, one or two feature very focused hardware product for actual production so that you can even potentially patent those concepts or at least put them in your own company library or keep sure. working through those things over time. But you're basically having your cake and eating it too. So you're <laughs> allowing the good ideas to be designed, to be flushed out, to be part of potentially your future business plan going forward, but you're also not blowing your budget on those so that you can focus on a very, as you mentioned, I love the term laser focused 
core one major innovation product, which is what you're actually going to launch to market and get into production. Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember I was designing a bike. It's called the N-Cycle and it's an electric bike. When I was first designing this, so we've all done this mistake of jamming uh, products with innovations or trying to jam it with innovations. So it was an electric bike. The frame looked different, very iconic. The handlebars would lock onto a lamppost so you could lock the bike. The pedals were designed in a specific way. And every element, I was trying to push for innovation, which this was a long time ago. But looking at it now, it's uh, it's uh, it's just too overwhelming. There's no way that that could even happen. I mean, on paper, again, dream big, blue sky. But then when you come to reality, just focus on one story and push for that. That's a big statement. I'm going to recycle that one. I like <laughs> it. Uh, let's talk about uh, where folks can buy your book, uh, because I think that's very useful and resourceful, especially for expanding hardware brands. Sure. So the Innovator's Handbook, it's available on Amazon and paperback and Kindle versions. And it came out a month ago. So yeah, check it out. And I would love to hear even people's stories, how they innovate. So feel free to reach out. You can find me on LinkedIn, Instagram, easy to find. And as always, I'll put all the links, including the link to the book in the show notes below. So anyone can just click through. Hussein, thanks again for all your words of wisdom today on scaling up a hardware brand and innovating past your first invention idea. Thanks. And we look forward to talking to you again soon. Thank you. It was great to be here. Thank you so much. Thanks. Take care. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Product Startup Podcast, the show that teaches you what it really takes to bring your product to market and turn it into a big success. This podcast series is brought to you by Maco design and invent the original and leading firm in north america to provide global caliber end-to-end physical consumer product development to startups inventors and small product business clients if you're looking for product development help on your invention head over to macodesign.com that's m-a-k-o design.com for a free consultation from one of maco designs for design studios from coast to coast thanks for listening and see you next time